Welcome to Healing Place Church, where our mission is to be a healing place for a hurting world. Listen each week for updated content and be sure to share with your friends. We hope this podcast is a blessing and a resource to you as you pursue God daily. We're going to try to wrap up a series. It was kind of one of those surprise series. I thought it was going to be a a one-off several Sundays ago. Uh, 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 an isolated message, but it just kind of grew. And so this is the third and hopefully the final installment. Who knows? I don't know if we're going to cross the finish line today or not. But we've been talking about, are you out of your mind? Are you out of your mind? The power of your thoughts. And so if you have your Bibles, turn to Philippians chapter 4. And um, I've got two final thoughts, two final points that I'm trying to complete in this message. And we'll see if we can get there. Philippians chapter 4, verse 8. As you're turning there, I read this this past week. I thought this was funny. I heard about a lady who had recently died, and she was standing at the pearly gates of heaven. And St. Peter said, you can't come in unless you can correctly spell a word. She said, well, what word? Peter said, love. So she said, L-O-V-E. Peter said, welcome to heaven. Then he had to take a break, and so he asked her, could you take my place just for a few moments? He said, if anyone comes, just follow the same procedure. Within a few minutes, the lady sees her ex-husband coming up. She said, what are you doing here? He said, I just had a heart attack. Did I really make it to heaven? She said, not yet. You have to spell a word correctly. He said, what word? She thought and said, Czechoslovakia. (laughs) Ah, Let's talk about the power of your mind, your thoughts. And now listen to me, church. I think this is probably one of the most helpful uh, messages. This information that we've been talking about over the last several weeks, it is critical. It is crucial. I think this is the necessary path we have to walk through in order to be free, in order to experience victory. You can have victory in your heart, but your head can be confused. And how many of you know that if your head is confused, your life is a mess? Jesus comes into our heart, and he does everything necessary when it comes to our salvation. But then he gives us the responsibility to renew our minds. We've talked about taking thoughts captive. We, we talked about how your thoughts become your words. Remember this, this line of thinking. Your thoughts become your words. Your words produce actions, and actions repeated give way to habits. And then habits will establish your character. You remember that? Ultimately, character it gives way to your destiny. Something as small as the seed of a thought produces a harvest that creates our destiny. Philippians 4.8, Paul gives us in this one single passage, he gives us a filter. And within this filter, okay, here's how we, we need to think. There's a lot of crazy thoughts out there. There's some good thoughts, bad thoughts. There's thoughts that are uplifting, thoughts that are discouraging. How do you filter what comes in and out of your mind? How many of you know your mind needs a filter? We live in a dark and difficult world. You can't just allow anything to take root in your mind. It'll drop down into your spirit. Paul said it this way, and now, Philippians 4, 8, and now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. Fix your thoughts. Well, what do you think about? Think about things that are true. Think about things that are honorable and right. Think about things that are pure, lovely, and admirable. 
Think on things that are excellent and worthy of praise. Now, over the last several weeks, we talked about what's true. Is this true? Am I living in reality? Is this honorable? Does this thought lift me up or does it pull me down? We talked about, is this thought right? Is it confirmed by God's word? And then last time, we finished up with the word pure. Is this thought pure? Does it pull me closer to God or does it push me from him? I want to try to finish this filter. Point number five, let's talk about the word lovely. Everybody say lovely. Does this thought produce love for God and for others? Does this thought produce love for God and a love for others? Sometimes it's hard to have lovely thoughts about people. It's getting quiet in here. How many know sometimes people will do some unlovely things? And yet, so here's part of the filter. Think about things that are lovely. Is what I'm thinking about, is it producing a love for God and a love for people? Hear me, church. We have to get better at this. We, this is one area that God will not let us slack in. This thought. Is it producing a love for God and a love for people? Well, Mike, it's hard to love people. How many of you work with people that are a touch difficult? Anybody go to school with sandpaper? Yeah, maybe it's in your neighborhood. You know, people sometimes can be rough. People that you just want to avoid. Mike, are you telling me that I have to love them? You know, sometimes God will put sandpaper in your life to smooth off the rough edges in you. Oh, come on now, smile at me. Don't be thinking unlovely thoughts toward your pastor right now. You say, Mike, how do I think lovely thoughts when people do unlovely things? How do I love difficult people, obnoxious people? Okay, I want to give you kind of under this idea three subpoints, and the first is this. It's what I call the BOD, the benefit of the doubt. You have to give people the benefit of the doubt. If there's any doubt, give them the benefit. Okay, for instance, you're driving in the, 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 the city of Baton Rouge. Don't you love the capital city? I love Louisiana. I love South Louisiana. I love Baton Rouge. But traffic will test you. How many of you know you can be feeling good leaving church on a Sunday, and you get stuck in that traffic leaving the church, and whatever joy you had in the house, it's gone. Come on, somebody. When you're driving down the road and you're stuck in traffic, or somebody, okay, let me say this. Somebody cut you off in traffic. Oh, yeah. How many of you have some unlovely thoughts? Yeah, you know, what what do we say? You jerk. You idiot. What's wrong with you? Okay. Y'all are having this nervous laughter right now. (laughs) Pastor's been riding in the car with me, hadn't he? You talk to other drivers, don't you? Yeah, you have thoughts about them. You know, what's interesting is we don't think about the grace we need when we drive. Because I'm sure none of you have ever made a mistake on the road. You've never, maybe, why did he, he doesn't use his signal, doesn't, doesn't use a blinker. What, you think you're the only one on the road? You know, and then, God forbid, you forget signal a left turn or, you know, let somebody, you know, sometimes we make mistakes in traffic and we need grace from other people. How many know it's probably a good idea to give some grace? It's called the benefit of the doubt. Or let me say this, you you text somebody, they didn't text you back. (sighs) 
what's the deal? I mean, I know you're busy, but you can't be that busy. And then, and then this train of thinking comes in your mind like, okay, maybe he's mad at me. He's mad at me. He's, he's ignoring me. He's avoiding me. No, no, no. Give him the benefit of the doubt. Maybe he, maybe he just overlooked it. Maybe he had a lot going on that day, you know, and didn't have a chance to get back with. Have you ever forgotten to respond to a text? And like, oh, or you thought you typed it up and you thought you pressed sent, but you didn't send it. Okay, listen, why don't we give that person who's driving in traffic or that person who sent the text, or let's talk to married couples for a minute, okay? All you married folk, come on. How many married couples do we have? Okay, all right. Yes, indeed. Come on, when you're dating, opposites attract. But when you're married, opposites attack. Well, I can't believe. She says something and it's a little off. And then you get all pouty. Come on. Maybe she's been dealing with your kids all day and she's tired. Give somebody the benefit of the doubt. Can I have a good amen? Now, listen. Okay, this is good now. Check this out. When you give somebody the benefit of the doubt, it helps you to move forward. But when you don't, you are stuck. That person who cuts you off in traffic... They've been riding in the car with you all day, right? Come on now. And in fact, you've been thinking about them. And when you don't give the benefit of the doubt, you get stuck. Some of you have been living offended. And there are people that are taking up space in your mind. They are living in your head rent-free. Can I tell you what you need to do to them today? Evict them. All right, you got to, today is the day you pack your things and you get out of the house of my mind. Listen, you got to get free in your head. And the only way you can do that is the benefit of the doubt. You're going to have to think lovely thoughts towards some unlovely people. Well, that's good preaching, Pastor. Second thing, under this same idea, don't summarize someone's life based on a single episode. Here's how we think lovely thoughts toward unlovely people. I'm going to tell you, even good people will make mistakes and do some bad things. A good person can end up in a bad place, but it doesn't make them a bad person. Oh, I need to say that again. I need to say that again. And this is we got to be careful that we don't summarize the totality of an individual's life based on a single episode. You know if that were true, the Bible is filled with some godly men who did some very ungodly things. You know Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the name Jacob literally means deceiver. You know Jacob was a liar? Well, wait, and he's part of, we serve the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Aren't you glad God didn't summarize his entire life based on a single episode or a season? What about Moses? Remember Moses? Remember old Mo? Big Mo led him out of, of slavery. But guess what? He also murdered an Egyptian in the process. Remember the Ten Commandments that God gave Moses on the mountain? Don't you think that Moses read those Ten Commandments and came across the one that said, Thou shalt not kill? We don't judge Moses by a single episode. What about David? Come on now, King David, the very man after God's own heart. But yet there was a season when he was a man after another man's wife. 
Oh, come on, you're not hearing me today. Look, don't, don't put these Bible characters in some stained glass and idolize them. I'm telling you, they were just as human as you and me. They did some ugly things. They did some disappointing things. And yet, because of the goodness of God, he didn't measure them by their worst moments. Don't measure people by their worst moments. Aren't you glad that God doesn't measure you by your worst moment? How many of you have had some pretty low, dark moments in your life? Now, if we could flash those moments up on this screen right here, how many would be a little bit embarrassed? Yeah, you'd feel like, man, and see, and sometimes the devil will talk to you and say, you can't go to that church. Man, if they only knew about you, what I know about you, come on, somebody. The devil is trying to reduce your life by your worst moment. But you serve a God who sees you at your worst, and he believes the very best in you. Come on now. Now, if God does that for us, listen, as a youth pastor a number of years ago, I remember I was in the mall, not because I wanted to be, but because I had to be. And I remember seeing uh, this kid that used to be in a youth group, and he had kind of just disappeared. And for months, he hadn't come to church, and I'd heard he was making some bad decisions. And, and so, you know, he's kind of gotten off track. And I looked up, and I saw him, and he saw me, and he quickly turned away. And it was like he was trying to avoid me. You know, I kind of had that thought of, hmm, <sighs> he sees the holiness of God <laughs> on my life. And my life is convicting him. You know what God told me? He said, no. He thinks you're judging him. So he's avoiding you. So I chased him down. I'm like, hey, listen. And I didn't say, where have you been? I said, hey, how have you been? Don't you know there's a difference? You see, we got to give each other the benefit of the doubt. And we also cannot summarize an individual's life by a single episode. Don't forget the massive grace that God has given to you. Aren't you glad that God, he, he would look at a multitude of sins and say, you know what, I've got grace that covers that. We talk to God about our sin and he applies his grace to us. It's the difference between a hummingbird and a vulture. I want you to consider this. Both of them are birds, but they're wired very differently. A vulture is attracted to death. A vulture will fly over living things in order to find the carcass of a dead animal on the side of a road. He's attracted to darkness and death. But a hummingbird is wired the opposite. A hummingbird is attracted to life. A hummingbird will fly over dead things in order to be drawn to the nectar within that flower and extract life. You see, listen, you get exactly what you're looking for. If you're looking for dirt in somebody's life, let me tell you, you can find it. But if you're looking for life, if you're looking for something positive, you can find that too. Let's be a church that is determined to look at people's best. We're going to speak well of people. We're not going to put people down. Listen, when somebody fails or somebody falls, and I'm telling you, good people make bad choices. When somebody at your work falls into something, you shouldn't dwell upon the negative. You should say, you know what? God can do a lot of things in that person's life. Are you with me? Mm-mm-mm-mm. Letter C. You can love with people you don't agree with. You can love people you don't agree with. 
I felt like this was important to include, especially in today. Because we live in an age of rage. Do we not? Everybody is outraged over everything. I mean, look at Facebook and Twitter. Everybody's got a comment of, I can't believe. It's just outrage. It's anger. We're easily offended. And and the Lord dropped this in my heart. Because I was flipping through Twitter the other day and getting comments. And I know we live, there's so, it's politically, we are polarized as a nation. I, I see it. And the devil will use everything. We've got differences of opinion, and it's all over the map. And if we're not careful, the church will fall into that same divisive spirit. Hey, God bless government, but the answer is not government. And I'm not trying to put down anybody who's running for office. We need godly men and women that are serving in public office. And we need to pray for these men and women. But if you're looking to government to save this nation, you're looking to the wrong source. And as a church, we've got to be careful that we don't look at all this stuff on the news and on social media and what's happening politically. Do not, this is what God dropped in my heart. He said, Mike, are you looking at them as an agenda to defeat or as a person to redeem? You can love people that you don't agree with. And I want to tell you this about love. Love and approval are not the same thing. How many parents know what I'm talking about? Yes, indeed. You love those kids, but how many know they don't always act right? Just because they said said that or they did that, I don't necessarily approve of that, but I love them through it. You know, just because you love somebody doesn't mean that you approve of everything that they do. And we've got to understand, if you're going to love difficult people, check this out. This is one of my favorite stories in all the Bible. In Luke chapter 10, one of the religious experts came to Jesus and was trying to test Jesus. And he was saying, you know, what do I got to do to enter into heaven? I've kept all the commandments, this, that, and the other, and this, that, and the other. And and he was kind of testing Jesus. And, And so Jesus said, you know, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. And this, this, this lawyer, this expert says, okay, well, who's my neighbor? Now, Jesus is a Jew, and he's talking to this Jewish leader. He says, there was a man that went from Jerusalem down to Jericho, and he fell among thieves and robbers. They beat him. They, they stripped him down. They took everything he had, threw him in the ditch, and left him to die. Well, here comes a priest, and here comes a Levite. Now, a priest and a Levite are Jews. Guess who was in the ditch? A Samaritan. Okay, here's what I love about Christ. The Samaritan, wait, wait, let me, let me re- rewind this for it. The guy in the ditch, priest and Levite walk by on the other side, but the third guy that walks by is a Samaritan. And the Samaritans and Jews did not get along. They didn't agree. They had a history of hate. But Jesus, in this story, makes the Samaritan the hero. Isn't that interesting? And I think he did it on purpose. He's challenging this Jew and saying, you know what? Just because people don't think like you doesn't mean that I don't love them and I can't use them for my purposes. You see, the priest and the Levite walked on the other side of the road, but the Samaritan sees the man in the ditch and he gets down in there with him. Aren't you glad that when you were in your ditch, Jesus didn't walk by on the other side? He said, no, I see that mess, and I'm getting involved. You know, why did the priest and Levite walk on the other side? 
Maybe they were busy. Maybe this was inconvenient. They didn't want to be uh, uh, harassed. But maybe they were afraid because the bad guy who robbed and beat up this dude in the ditch, the bad guys were still at large. Maybe they were afraid. Maybe they thought, what's going to happen to me if I stop? But the Samaritans said, no, no, no. What's going to happen to him if I don't? You see the difference? And so this Samaritan gets down into the ditch with this Jew and helps this brother. They didn't have the same values. They didn't have the same religious beliefs, but he helped him anyway. Listen to me, church. Loving God and loving people are indivisible. You say you love God, and the way that you prove your love for God is your love for other people. It's impossible to love a God that you can't see, and you mistreat a brother that you can see. And here's where I'm a little bit concerned for the American church. I'm just a little bit concerned for for what I see. And I'm not trying to be critical, but as a pastor, I am concerned. Because what's popular in the American church today is we want to run to this conference and discover the five ways that will grow our church. Or a hundred different ways we can do lights. Or what's the latest, greatest LED technology. And thank God for all of it. But somewhere along the line, we missed it when it comes to those who are broken and hurting. Broken people and hurting people don't do it for the church anymore. What's happened? That's a concern of mine. God has called us to this world to be his hands and his feet for those who are in their worst moments. We got to be a church for the broken, the least, the last, the lonely, and the lost. We got to be a church that will go to the ditch. Don't be afraid of the mess. If something's unlovely, something's difficult, guess what? The church needs to be right there. You see, we forget what's on the, everybody wants a miracle. Everybody wants miracles and signs and wonders, but we forget what's on the other side of that. It's called messy people. Come on, somebody. You want a miracle? Then get in the mess. You want to see the supernatural? Then you got to help somebody in a, in a bad situation. Then you'll see the blessing of God. Does that make sense? We, one day we'll stand before God. We may hear him say, where are your wounds? A lot of people will say, well, Lord, we have none. And Jesus says, was nothing worth fighting for? Was nothing worth bleeding for? Was nothing worth suffering for? You can love people who don't agree with you. The Bible says in Romans 5, 8, but God demonstrated his love toward us in this. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. When we were his enemy, what was he doing? He was laying down his life. Quit judging your enemies. Start praying for your enemies. You'll know you're growing when your love for people dwarfs your opinions about them. I love what Bob Goff said. You'll know you're growing when your love for people dwarfs your opinions about them. And then let me finish this thought as it relates to love. Is this helping anybody today? Let, let me finish this thought. Don't worry. Let her see. Don't worry about those who talk about you behind your back. They're behind you for a reason. Yeah. 
You got to keep your eyes on the prize. But are people talking about you? Probably so. They'll try to stab you in the back, but listen, they're behind you for a reason. You just got to keep going. You got to keep moving forward. Don't give anyone the power to destroy your life by creating bitterness in your heart. Bitterness, it poisons you. Man, they, they talk about you, they mistreat you, they judge you. Listen, I love what Winston Churchill said. He said, you will never reach your destination if you stop and throw stones at every dog that barks. How many know there's a lot of barking dogs in the world today? Listen, we were in Honduras last week, and I was just jogging up that mountain. I'm tell you, they don't have certified alarms in Honduras. They have pit bulls. Man, we were running, and those dogs were barking. How I many know that's the fastest run I ever made in my life? Don't slow down. Don't feel like you have to engage in every battle, every comment. If they're talking about you behind your back, you just keep moving forward. Can I have a good amen? Does this thought produce love for God and love for others? And let me wrap this up. Finally, number six, number six, number six. Finally, number six. Admirable. Think on things that are lovely. Think on things that are admirable. And the question is this. Will it develop my character or destroy it? Will this thought develop my character or destroy it? I want to ask the band to come up, and we're going to take a moment to pray. Admirable. The word admirable is defined as excellent, worthy of praise or approval, that which deserves a good reputation. Paul, he finishes this statement, finishes this verse with, the, with the, this word admirable, and then he reinforces it. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. Three times he's saying, he's wanting us to get it. He's saying, don't miss it. Will this thought build your character or will it tear it down? Sometimes we have thinking, we, and it's lodged not just in our mind, but it kind of seeps into our soul, and it's toxic. In fact, the, the picture that I got, and, and here's kind of the way God showed it to me, was this large sinkhole. Have you seen those sinkholes like in, in Florida? You know, it's these big gaping holes that just, you know, in the earth that just swallow up everything. Check this out. I mean, it's scary. Dangerous. Dangerous. I begin to study, okay, how does a sinkhole happen? Well, what causes a sinkhole? One way, rain falls, acidic rain will fall. And when it, it saturates the earth and it goes down into the sediment, there's different layers, rock strata under the ground, and it eats away at limestone, for instance. This limestone is porous, and if you have acid rain that falls enough, it will begin to create these holes, these little pockets of holes. And over time, a process of erosion, everybody say erosion, a process of erosion begins to take place. And what's crazy about it, it's under the surface of the earth, and so you don't even notice. You don't even realize what's happening. And if those pockets of holes erode enough, then the ceiling, what's on top of it, eventually will give way. The whole thing will collapse. And it, I mean, it swallows up streets. It swallows up buildings and houses and cars. I mean, it's extremely destructive. And the, the, the danger of it is you don't even know it's happening because it's under the surface. Now, here's the, this last thought on admirable. Does it build my character or does it destroy it? Does it develop it or, or does it tear it down? If we're not careful, we'll allow certain thoughts 
to be a part of our consistent, habitual thinking, and it creates a mindset, okay? And this mindset, just like that acid rain that falls to the ground, it's seeping into the sediment of our soul. Come on, are you with me? And there's a process of erosion that's taking place. On the outside, it looks like everything's okay. On the outside, you wouldn't know any different. You look at that person, and they're looking at you, and then you feel like everything's okay. Come to church, everything's all right. But there's a process of erosion that has begun. And if we're not careful, if we don't address that, then everything on the surface will come crashing down. Your character just totally implodes, and people think, how in the world did that happen? Well, I tell you how it happened over time. There was a process of thoughts. It was a mentality. It was a mindset. Eventually, it was, a, it, was, it was like acid rain that fell, and we never addressed it, and we just let it seep into our soul. And then and over time, it corrodes our insides, and then boom, you lose a marriage. Boom, you lose your integrity. Boom, you get fired from your job. Everything that you have built on the surface, you spend years building, it only takes moments to fall apart. How many know what I'm talking about? This is the power of our thinking. This is the power of our mind, and God wants us to get it. You know, the next verse in this passage, Paul said, those things that you have heard and received and learned and seen in me do. In other words, keep putting into practice. Keep putting into practice. Keep putting into practice. If we practice this, practice this. Let's get it right. Let's go over this again. You see, I don't think you can hear enough teaching on renewing your mind. I think this is so valuable. We got to go back to it. We got to refresh. We got to renew our commitment to, wait a second, is it true? Is it honest? Is it just? Is it pure? Is it lovely? Is it admirable? I got to look at it. This is the filter now. And if it it doesn't match one of those six, here's what I'm going to do. First of all, I'm going to identify it. I'm going to repent of it. And then I'm going to replace it. And we get right thinking in our head. Now we've got bedrock. Now we've got something to build on. You see, there's power when your lips match your life. It's called integrity. When what's on the inside matches what people see on the outside, God says, I'm going to build upon that. Do you receive that today? Thank you for listening. Take a moment and subscribe so you can become a part of the community here and stay up to date with what is happening at Healing Place Church. For more information about HPC, visit healingplacechurch.org.